play a little song with the guitar. And will you worship God with me? Will you worship God as we reach out to him? Hallelujah. Somebody just lift your hands right now and just love him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the deer stand best. For a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross. Till my trophies at last I lay down. And I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown to the old rugged cross. I will ever be true. It's shame and reproach gladly bear. Then he'll call me someday to my home far away, where his glory forever I'll share. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down And I will cling to the old rugged cross And exchange it someday for a crown, I'll worship Him, so I'll cherish the old rugged cross. Till my trophies at last I lay down, and I will cling to the old rugged cross. Exchange it someday for a crown. Oh, I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary. And I believe whatever the cost. And when time has surrendered and earth is no more I'll still cling to that old rugged cross oh I believe in a hill called
called Mount Calvary. And I'll believe whatever the cost. And when time has surrendered and earth is no more, I'll still cling to that old rugged cross. I'll give God the glory. Thank you, Lord. I love you. Cross, amen. Thank God for Calvary. Let's turn to Romans, the sixth chapter. God's so good. Appreciate my church family this morning. Appreciate the beautiful day that God has given us. And hallelujah. Where would we be without the cross? Where would we be without the power of a living God today? Mm, God is so good. God is so good. Romans 6. Hallelujah. We miss Bob this morning. Praying for him. The Lord would just praise God. Raise him up. Amen. It's not the same without you. Hallelujah. God is good. Romans 6. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence in this house today. Thank you for your love, your kindness to us. Thank you for this great, beautiful salvation that you have given us. Lord, I ask you to anoint your word this morning, God. And not only your word and the lips of, Lord, this your servant today, but the ears of everyone that would hear, God, that you would, Lord, just take your word, anoint it, and deliver it into our hearts to accomplish your will. Because we know the promise is that your word will not return void. God, thank you for your word. It will accomplish what it has been sent out to do. Do a work in us, God. And through us, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Romans 6, verse 1 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God forbid. Huh? God, just so good. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ... We're baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. Listen now. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, that's the baptism, into Jesus Christ, We shall also in the likeness, be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, somebody say, I know it, it. that our old man is crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. God bless you. You can be seated. Oh, his word is so beautiful. You know why? Because he is so beautiful. I don't spend a lot of time trying to think up a title. Usually it's just very simple. But 
This morning I was thinking about what I would possibly title this message and I I came upon so beautiful a Savior. So beautiful a Savior. See, the thing that I feel like many people miss out on, when we can point to Jesus, we can focus on Him. See, it's never been more true to be able to say to know Him is to love Him. Amen. Anybody ever say that about you? Probably all the time. But it's never been more true that the more you can know Jesus, see, man has confused the situation. I know man can build the most beautiful cathedrals. Man can dress up in the most beautiful robes, if you will. I guess if you're into that thing. Man can come up with the most just amazing ceremonies. and, and, And really, I mean, sometimes I went to... Uh, New York City uh, one time, and and uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral is in New York City. And the building is, is honestly, as far as architecture goes, as far as a work of art, it's breathtaking. Right. We, we went into that beautiful building, and just the gold. And, but after a while, can I tell you something? I felt like Paul going through Athens, something that stirred inside of me. To see the idolatry, the bowing before statues, the use of the, 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 the holy water that people were just putting all over themselves. And, the, the, and I thought, man can, can make so many beautiful things, but nothing like Jesus. That's right. Nothing like Jesus. Praise the Lord. When you really love him, you'll fall in love with his word. Amen. You'll fall in love with everything about him and you want to know more about him. Amen. I, I would be very offended. Can I tell you something? If, if uh, you'd come up to my wife and say, you know what? You could use a little bit of something to make you more beautiful. I'd say, what's wrong with you? Amen. What, what is wrong with you? And I would hesitate to say that about any of my friends or anybody to say, oh, you know what? Maybe, maybe you do need a little help. Well, God help you. Get some sense. Amen. Praise God. I I feel that way sometimes when I see what religion has done to loving and serving so beautiful a Savior. Complicating things and making it so much not what it needs to be, but we need to get our focus back on him. Hallelujah. To love him, to love what he says, to love what he loves, to get away from what he doesn't love. Amen. When we understand the theme of the gospel, when we recognize not only the the beautiful story of, uh, of how God would put on flesh, that he would be born in, in, in such a humble, such a lowly way and, and not become a celebrity. Not try to find out how many clicks or likes or views he could be, but just to serve and to love and, and even tell people, don't, don't tell everybody about that. Just leave that alone. It wasn't about the notoriety. It wasn't about the celebrity. Right. It, the Bible says he became of no reputation, but took on himself the form of a servant. God with us. God manifested in the flesh. The very heart, the very word became flesh and dwelt among us. That we could just see what we were created to be. Amen. 
we could see what we fell from, that we were to be that kind of love in action. Amen. We were to be that kind of beauty of God shining through us to, to love, to serve. Amen. But the beauty of the gospel, his 1 Corinthians 15 is, a, is an amazing book. We're going to look at it here in a little bit about the gospel, about the resurrection, and so much about it, so, so, so much there. We'll never uh, even try to cover every bit of it. But to recognize his death, his burial, his resurrection, that beautiful account. But, but even more so, can I tell you what really makes something Beautiful. You might look at a work of art and and uh, it might uh, just amaze you. It might bring you to wonder of how someone could could uh, be so creative and be so talented to, to to shapes and shades and layers of color and all that. But you know, sometimes it's the scribble with crayons hanging on your refrigerator that you'd rather look at because it's personal. Because it means something to you. You'd say, you know, I don't, I don't have the Mona Lisa hanging on my refrigerator. <laughs> Amen. Right. But something, and I, the beauty of the gospel goes far beyond the understanding that there is a, a God in heaven that, that is a creator, but also always had this plan in mind to to redeem, to rescue, to save. And, and the idea, uh, can I carry it on a little bit farther? You know, all the questions that people have about heaven. And, and, uh, and I understand that. I'm not trying to be overly critical. But can I tell you, not, none of it really matters a whole lot when you are in love with Jesus and say, that's what heaven is going to be. Amen. People want to know about street of gold and gates of pearl and, and what about this and what about that? Can I tell you, it doesn't matter if it's just lounge furniture. Amen. If Jesus is there, it'll be heaven to love him and to know that I want to spend eternity. People say, oh, I don't want to be living forever and eternity. Where's that going to be to be with Jesus when you love him? You'll understand that. Your life will change. Romans 6 tells us about his death, his burial, his resurrection. But it brings it down to a place where it's personal. See, this is not something that is an academic fact that do you believe it happened or don't you believe it happened. This is something biblically that is practical that will affect you. That was done to change you the same way that that the life of Jesus is, can I say, through man's uh, vantage point. We have a calendar that pivots on his life, his birth. Amen? A.D. and B.C. And and that is the idea of Scripture, that our life would pivot. That there would be a new life and that it would affect us and it would would define us. Amen. Old things pass away. See, when I tell you about Jesus dying on the cross and and talked about the details, we, we had such an amazing 
um, communion service this year already. I believe it was the around the new year. And, and Jesus said, this do ye in remembrance of me. Right. Made it very clear. This is what I want you to do. This is, this, is, this is how I want you to remember what I did for you. And as beautiful as that is to think about all the, the suffering and the pain and the, 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 the road that it was to, to, to that cross and to that tomb, what really is just beautiful is, is that it becomes personal. That we follow him and in this, that our old life, that death that he died, now I follow that in a... When I come to the cross, it's more than me saying, okay, I believe that that happened. That's a fact of history, but I believe it was for me. And that affects me. That changes me. That changes the direction of my life. Amen. That changes my priorities. God comes in and gives a new start in that. And that old life now dies on a cross of, of repentance with him. I not only believe he did that for me, I believe he took my guilt and my shame with him on the, that cross. And that my old life doesn't have authority over me anymore. My old life doesn't have to tell me, hey, this is what you're addicted to. This is what you have to do. This is who you are. This is what you are. No, no, no. That's dead now. I've got, I've got a new identity. We might talk about that tonight. But a new identity in Jesus, born again. A new creation, a new creature in Christ. When I am buried with him, we talked about that somewhat, the, the three days and the three nights, the 72 hours of his burial, that he said was the sign. That he'd give to show that he was the true Messiah. But it becomes personal to us. Here we see in Romans, the sixth chapter, we are buried with him. I can take that and say, hey, that's the old life. I don't have to do uh, what the devil's tempting me to do anymore. I buried that old life. It's a new start. It's a new beginning. Those old things are buried now. I'm not going to look back. Oh, you'll be tempted. That's what the devil does. The devil's going to try to tell you, hey, you know who you are? Nothing's changed. You're all the same person. He's lying to you. That's why we see later on in Romans 6, reckon yourselves dead indeed unto sin. Think about it. Consider it. Understand it. Amen. That old life was buried with him. And you rise up now through the power of the baptism of the Holy Ghost we should walk in newness of life. Yes, thank you. Acts the fourth chapter, if you'll turn with me. Acts the fourth chapter. Newness of life. The power of the resurrection. The power that we see Jesus showing us over death is a power that shows us we have victory over our old life. Amen. 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 You're not who you were. Amen. God's God's brought you from darkness to light, from death to life. The Bible describes being 
a sinner, as being dead in sins and trespasses. You're not living like you got, you, he, he created you to live. You're existing, you're breathing, you're pumping blood through your uh, veins, but you're not alive because you're cut off. You're separated from the, the relationship that is right with God, which is life. It changes things. I was talking with a brother just last night talking about how things don't always go my way. Amen. Uh, You look shocked. People think, you know, it's just because you're Christian. It's just like, I'm blessed. Absolutely. That doesn't mean everything just goes my way. Sometimes we have difficulties. Sometimes we have trials. But you know what? Because of Jesus, it doesn't affect who I am doesn't take away my joy. I might be sad over something. I might not just be as excited about events maybe. But you know what? I've got something that the, that the enemy can't steal from me. There's still a peace. There's still an understanding, even in disappointment, even in trials. Even a joy. Even a joy. Because joy isn't about me getting everything my way. Joy is just being able to have a friend like Jesus walking with you throughout your life. Hallelujah. We shall walk, should walk in newness of life, the Bible says. Acts, the fourth chapter. Now, I'm sure most of us are familiar uh, a bit with uh, this, the layout of the Bible. But the book of Acts is the acts of God's people, the apostles that have been filled with the power of God. And now this is their acts. This is their actions. This is their ministries. And this is after the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus and the outpouring of his spirit that could not come to a New Testament church until the blood was shed and the tomb was empty. But now, four chapters in, pretty early on in the New Testament church history, uh, Acts 4.10 be it known unto you all, to all that the people of the all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this doth this man stand here before you whole. Sounds like Peter has become a new man. Yeah. Amen. The one said, I I promise you, I don't know the man. I don't know what you're talking about. Now he's like, You crucified him. That's right. You crucified your Messiah. This is the stone, verse 11, which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. They understood that prophecy. They didn't before. But God said, I'm going to build a church and I'm going to build my people together. And this new covenant is going to be based. The cornerstone is going to be Jesus Christ, that Messiah. And they set it at naught. They said, we don't need that. That's worthless. That stone. But that's the stone that... The church is built on. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That one name of salvation is Jesus Christ. Peter standing up and professing, proclaiming that name, the authority in that name. And verse 13 says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. And perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. These were not men that went through their their uh, seminaries and their uh, 
methods of teaching and training uh, the, the Old Testament, but, but they perceived this. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. The power of a living, risen Savior is the power of a life that is new, a life that is changed, a life that is born again, a life where the chains of your old doubts and fears, depression and temptations, addictions is broken, and it is the power to be a witness of a living God. The greatest witness that you can have. Thank God for your understanding of his word. Thank God that you dig in deeper and deeper and deeper. But the best thing you've got, amen. Don't go away from it. Keep on learning. Keep on growing in that. But the best thing you've got is them seeing life in you. Seeing how amazing he is. Seeing the beauty of what it can be when you really know him. They saw something. They recognize something. This isn't something they went away and learned. This is not something that they are getting on a natural level. There's something supernatural going on here. Amen. Amen. They took knowledge. This wasn't something they, they, they could have learned. This is not something that they, they, they have, have a diploma for. But this is something that has to be Jesus in them. How much my prayer has been, God, uh, we can learn and you can read every self-help book that's ever been published. You can try to get an understanding of how to be a better person. But when God moves into your life, something greater than your best is able to be accomplished. Something that can be noticed, something that can be experienced, something that people can feel in you. The power of God that is alive and real. I'm not interested in what people have about my reputation and who I am and how good I am and this, that, or the other. I want them to know Jesus and to see Jesus, experience that kind of of love and mercy and power. Amen. Was it last week? I think we talked about the theme of the Word of God. Maybe a week before. I'm not sure. We talked about how it needs to be our theme. How is that possible? Because... He's living in us. That power that transforms us. There's too much. Let me, I'm, I, I need to back up a little bit on our first point of the power over an old life. Power over sin. Power over the shackles of sin. See, loving Jesus and loving what he did on the cross, it must be translated into a life that says, I understand why he did that because sin was so exceeding sinful. You ever hear somebody say, I don't understand uh, why, why the cross had to be so brutal or maybe more often people say, why does, uh, why does, why is hell so awful? Can I tell you why? What they've missed because of a modern church age that is trying so hard not to offend anybody because sin is so detestable to a holy God. Amen. We read about it in the same book that talks about the free gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ. The same book of Romans that tells us for all have sinned and come short of that glory. And the same book tells us that sin had to be. We have to understand the exceeding sinfulness of sin. When you understand how holy and pure God is, his love 
needed needed a sacrifice for that sin because sin was so so much an abomination to a holy God. But today we tell people it's okay to just walk in your sin, to have a religious experience, to just say a little prayer and go on your way. And we're all sinners and we're all sinning every day. Some have said, you know, hundreds and thousands of times a day in word, thought, and deed. And Jesus came to save us from our sins. And he will transform your life. I'm not talking about sinless perfection. I'm not saying we don't need a time to say, God, I'm sorry, I've stumbled. But listen to me, a time to understand that God breaks those chains. We don't continue on in our old life. Those things are buried. They're, they're, they're cast away. Amen. And that life that is now free, that life that is now filled, now where there was once anger and hatred, there's joy and peace. Where once there was adversity and, and, and complaining and fault-finding, now there's love. And God is, and God will work through you. Not only that you benefit from that and you experience a new life, but that others are going to see that in you. Amen. Those same people that were persecuting them. Amen. Those same people that were going to imprison them. Those same people that, that we can see over and over again commanding them. Hey, don't talk in that name anymore. Right. We're going to threaten you. We're going to beat you. We're going to imprison you. Yeah. But they saw it. That's right. They saw it. They saw Jesus in them. All right. it's, it's, I know sometimes people say that's an easy way out to say that, uh, well, they're just jealous. But you'll see that even Pilate, Pilate himself, he was trying his best to wash his hands of the blood of Jesus because he could see all those religious leaders that hated Jesus so much. He recognized it was envy. They wanted what he had. Sadly, they could have had it if they would have given up their self-righteous pride. It was the same thing as a type and shadow of the Old Testament over and over again. You'll see it in Joseph's life. Everybody wants to say, oh, Joseph, he was obnoxious and he bragged it. You don't see that in the Bible. But you do see a young man in love with God, being used of God with an anointing on his life. And his brothers sold him for envy. For envy. I believe they all could have been the apple of their father's eye if they would have just had the right priorities and just served God and loved God. We not only have power and victory over sin so personally A beautiful thing to recognize all the things that were dragging me down, all the things that were holding me back, all the things that were destroying my life. I've got victory over that. I don't have to listen to sin. I don't have to listen to temptation. I can say no. But I can also be a witness to those around me that need hope, that need answers, that need victory. That's the power of God's resurrect the Lord's resurrection. First Corinthians fifteen, we talked about it. And if you get time, that whole chapter is just so good. First Corinthians fifteen. Verse nineteen. God's so good. First Corinthians fifteen, verse nineteen. If in this life only We have hope in Christ. We are all of all men most miserable. Now, I can't just tell you that I haven't struggled with that for a while because I think, wow, 
Are you kidding me? The cross has done so much and victory over my old life, victory over sin. How amazing is that? But listen, if it's only in this life and you have nothing but a hole in the ground to look forward to. He said, we're still most miserable. Our worst enemy is death. Hello? That's what it says. Uh, uh, but now Christ has risen from the dead, become the first fruits of them that slept, the first ris- risen from the dead. And he says, for by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all men be, shall all be made alive. Stay there, but Hebrews 2 talks about Jesus becoming the captain of our salvation. See, what happened is, what a lot of people don't realize, that uh, Adam really represented us all. Adam was, and then when Adam fell, when Adam failed, he was, he was given the dominion, he was given the authority over God's creation. God, in his amazing plan, uh, you know, it's easy to say, well, God controls everything. And the, the, the skeptic, the atheist will say, well, if he's in control, where's the love? Because all these problems are happening. But that's not really how he set up his creation. Right. He delegated authority right. to Adam. Right. And through sin, Adam handed it over to the enemy. Yeah. And because of Adam's sin, mankind fell from the the position that they had in God, and we're now born into sin. And God has been making a way for us to be rescued and redeemed. But we kind of handed it over to the enemy. That's why the Bible talks about the prince of the power of the air. It talks about God of this present world being the enemy. It's not that God's not in control. of it. It's just that he has handed it over to us and, and let us. We've messed it up. Amen. And, you know, it could have been, I suppose, but man has fallen. Man is now born into sin. And, and God's looking for someone, the Bible says in Ezekiel, looking for someone to, to make up a hedge, somebody to, to be that intercessor, somebody. But he could find nobody worthy. But here comes Jesus. God comes and robes himself in flesh, as we have said, and, and does what Adam should have done, said no to temptation. So that in him... We could become born again and become his children, and we can be free from the sin of our first parents, Adam and Eve. He has become the captain of our salvation through his sufferings. And now, not only through his death, his burial, his resurrection, do we have power over sin, power over, uh, but we have power over death as well. That we can know. That death is the wages of sin. We were not created to die. We are created to live in a beautiful relationship with God throughout eternity. But sin has wages. And Jesus paid that price for that sin. So now not only do we have victory over the sin of our lives, but we know we have victory over death. Hallelujah. Let's drop down to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall 
be changed. God is going to change us in a moment, the Bible says. And that last day, these bodies that are corrupted, uh, those that were, are, 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 their bodies are asleep in the ground. I believe the Bible tells us to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. So I, I, I believe in, in our soul, our spirit is going to be with him. But those bodies are asleep in the ground. There will be a resurrection day. Those bodies will be changed to put on immortality. Look what it says in verse 54. When this corruptible shall put on incorruption, this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, oh, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. One moment before I read that last verse. We have victory over our old life. This beautiful salvation, this beautiful Savior has given us victory over an old life, changing us. All the things that we have hated about ourselves, all the things that have been, been so out of place, so broken, so, so just disconnected from God and who he made us to be. Now changed, now, now fixed, now new in him. How beautiful when you know that power. When you can say, I'm not who I once was. I'm not who I, who, who, uh, I'm not that one. That, that old life is dead with Christ now, buried in his name. And now I walk in a new life. That's the power of the resurrection. That power not only, praise God, to be new, to be changed, but that power to shine. That power that others can see it. People in your family, people that, that used to know you, people that, that once maybe uh, ran, the Bible says, to the same excesses that you ran to. Now they see something changed in you. You didn't used to, you didn't used to talk like that. You didn't used to act like that. Something's different in you. That's the power of God. That's Jesus Christ in me, the hope of glory. But not only do I have that power to be a witness the Bible talks about that. Jesus told them in Acts, the first chapter, around verse 8, I believe it is. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses. That's the power of a living God. Amen. Hallelujah. But we have power to know that heaven and earth are going to pass away. But we're going to be with him. Death, we still, you know, we sorrow, but not as the world sorrows, the Bible says. People we miss, people we think about very regularly that I just yesterday remember just just missing some old friends that but knowing, praise God, we don't sorrow like the world sorrows, praise God, because we're going to see him again. Amen. Because I know when Jesus rose, he gave us the the evidence, if you will say, what kind of evidence is that you think these disciples that lived their lives and walked with him, would each one die a martyr's death for a lie? Hello? Can I tell you, not only could they see the change in them, where once Peter was so ready to just deny he even knew him, now they're living their lives full of God, full of, uh, of boldness, willing to stand up unto their death to say, oh no, he's alive. Amen? 
No, I didn't. I watched him die like you did. I saw the suffering. I saw the, the brutality of Calvary. I saw that crucifixion in, in, in living color. But you know what? I know he's alive today and you can't shut me up. You can't turn me around. I'm going to live for him. And if I must, I die for him. Each one of them, other than John, who was exiled to Patmos and gave us the great book of Revelation. Verse 58 of 1 Corinthians 15, this last verse in closing. Therefore, my beloved brethren, therefore, because of everything I said, because I just told you that death has lost its victory over you. Because I've told you that Jesus took the sting away from the grave. Because I told you that we shall be changed. Listen now, church. My beloved brethren, be steadfast. Hold on. Unmovable. I'm going to tell you what. Sin's not going to have such a hold on you when you recognize how beautiful this salvation is and how beautiful a Savior we have. When it's personal to you, you can come to church, thank God. You can come and go through a, 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 the rituals, if you will, the routines, the, and make it just kind of a, a, a duty that you feel like you need to do because you don't want to be lost. Listen to me, there's so much more to being saved than that. There's something so beautiful that you're missing. A new life. The power to be a, be a change, uh, someone who changes uh, the, 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 the salt and the light and, uh, of the environment around you to, to show somebody there's better, to be a witness. Amen. And the power to recognize that this life is just, well, it's fleeting, the Bible says. It's like a vapor that appears for a moment and vanishes away. But we have eternal life with him. Therefore, be steadfast. Hold on. Don't. Don't be so easily swayed by temptation. Don't be so easily pulled by sin. Be steadfast. Be unmovable. Always abounding. That's the life of a child of God. You're blessed. You've got more. Amen. You're blessed. You've got so much more than you've ever had because you've got joy. You've got peace. Amen. You've got purpose in your life. You're not just, uh, just sat, you're fulfilled. Amen. Amen. Unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Keep working. Keep serving. Keep loving. Keep blessing. Amen. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's bow our heads in prayer. This salvation, well, let me say this Savior, so beautiful, so beautiful a Savior. Fallen in love with Jesus. Recognizing who he is and what he has done that we can be saved. It becomes so personal. It becomes so real. It becomes so alive when you enter into this understanding of who he really is. And it's not some religious traditional way, but it's life. It's power. The power of his life living in you, his spirit alive in you. Power to overcome that old life. Power to say no to temptation. Power to 
walk away from sin. Power to live a new life. A life that's blessed. A life that's filled. Hallelujah. A life with purpose. A life that's going to shine. A life that's going to be bold and stand for Jesus. A life that's so excited about who He is and what He's done that you can't hide it. And a life that is an eternal life. A life that is... years and then an end. But the Bible says world without end. The Bible says what would it profit a man or a woman to gain the whole world and lose your own soul? What would you give in exchange for your soul? I want to say this again to this church and everyone that's listening. Jesus has put a value on your eternal soul. He said it's worth my very blood that you don't die and be lost for eternity in hell. Jesus paid this awful price say, well, I, I kind of like the Bible, but listen, it's all about the cross. It all centers around a, a God that loved you so much that He gave His only begotten Son. He gave His blood that you might be forgiven, cleansed, and set free. When you turn your life over to God and surrender to Him, Turning from an old life. That's what repentance is. Turn from the old life. You don't keep on walking in that old life. You turn away from it. Walk toward God away from that old life. You say, you're more valuable than anything to me, God. He's still here today for you. If you don't know, if you don't know for sure that today you would spend eternity with Him. Today is a day of salvation. Today is a day to make up your mind. I want to, I want this living Savior to be my, my Savior. I want this living Savior to be the one that fills my life with meaning, with purpose, with change. I'm not going to go back and be the same one I always was. I'm going to follow Jesus. Come on, this altar is open if you care to come pray. Maybe somebody here today, you need to rededicate your life to Him. You say, Lord, I'm sorry for my, that I've slipped. I'm sorry that I, here I am. Don't just say you're sorry and walk the same way.